This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage process into the 21st century with a fast, easy, and completely online process. So check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com slash fool. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, the list goes on. A lot of us are celebrating at the end of 2016. It is the holiday season, and I hope yours is warm, and I hope that you're surrounded by family and friends and making the best of this time. I know for not everybody is it a happy time. Sometimes it's hard, especially if you're missing somebody who wasn't around last holiday season. We wish you the very best here from Rule Breaker Investing. This is a special episode. It's a short episode. It's special for one and a half reasons. The main reason it's special is because we have a cameo appearance coming up from last week's celebrated figure, and that, of course, is Jack Bogle. Um, last episode was one of my favorites, in retrospect, of 2016, and it was our Love Letter to Jack Bogle episode, where we played clips back from Bogle interviews with The Fool over the years and got to reflect on his life, legacy, what he is doing. This is not a past tense. This is very much a man in his late 80s who continues um, to fight on your behalf and mine for individual investors everywhere. And I'm absolutely delighted to feature uh, this short interview with Jack as the main focus of this week's episode. The half reason that it's special is that at the end, I'm just going to do the same thing I did last year, and maybe it'll be a holiday tradition for me. I'm going to share with you briefly my reflection on why we invest. And um, so, put those two things together, and we've got an episode. And next week, because this show never takes a week off, you'll never hear a rerun, at least you haven't so far in our first year and a half at Rule Breaker Investing. I hope you'll be with me. You might not even be around. Maybe you'll be on vacation, but we'll do our December mailbag. So, we'll close out the year with a mailbag, as we did last year. And now, a man who needs no introduction, Jack Bogle. Jack, let me start with a little bit of a history lesson coming from your life. So, Wellington abandoned load funds. We mentioned your Wellington fund last week. You became a no-load, which in your estimation was, and I quote, instead relying not on sellers to sell fund shares, but on buyers to buy them, end quote. And Jack, is it right the SEC initially ruled against Wellington shifting to no-load? Well, this was, this was Vanguard at that point, although we it's a little confusing. Uh, we still ran the Wellington Fund. Wellington was one of our funds. But the application of the SEC was made in, uh, I think, uh, 1977, when okay. we went no-load, uh, to be able to call ourselves load, no-load, uh, even though we were charging the funds with a moderate amount of, ex- of, of marketing expenses, sales and marketing expenses. And the SEC had always had a position against that. So we had the, the, the odds kind of stacked against us. We, there was a hearing before an administrative law judge in Washington about the way we wanted to share the expenses among the funds, and we lost. Mm. I was not a happy guy, but we appealed. We made a couple of very, uh, very minor, almost superficial changes in the formula for spreading the, the expenses over the fund base, and uh, it was reaffirmed by the, the judge who said we couldn't call ourselves no-load because we were spending that money, and then the SEC in a decision that was so... Most wonder one of the most wonderful events of my career. The SEC says, of course, they can call themselves no load, and furthermore, um, Vanguard is a better way to run a mutual fund group. Mm. That's paraphrasing a little bit, 
and a unanimous opinion of the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. And that it took until <laughs> 1981, four years, with the sword of Damocles hanging over us, being unable to put our full plan into implementation. Mm. And uh, then, it, then it was done. And uh, you know, there was no point in being the low-cost provider on an expense side, which we knew we would accomplish easily, and still be charging an 8% sales charge. So it all ties together, Dave. David. Mm. Mm. Jack, you just called that one of the wonderful events of your career. Could you talk about one or two other wonderful events of your career so far? Well, so far, and in a lot of ways, um, this past year or so has been one of the best years of my later career. Uh, we have, I have a great relationship with Vanguard's management. Uh, I've gotten two gold medals. And I'm, you know, I have them in a safe place in case that we get the, the <laughs> hyperinflation. I'll still be able to buy something, and uh, and and more honors that you can possibly mention. And you know, I don't need all that, but I really enjoy it. And as indexing just has changed the mutual fund industry forever, and the data show that seven years in a row, where money is going out of actively managed funds and into index funds, uh, this is. This is something that's going to go on forever. It's just really beginning. So to see all that come true and to be alive, mm. you know, I, these things would have happened finally, whether Bogle was around on this orb or not. But uh, I'm glad to be able to see them. I had the 20th anniversary of my heart transplant. You can't beat that mm. for a pretty nice, uh, a nice little uh, exclamation mark, another great thing. And uh, it's just a... Uh, it's, it's been a wonderful time of my later career, but as I told Todd Taylor Larimore, the chief boglehead, uh, I'll still never get the thrill I got out of my early career when we struggled every day to stay alive and get this little company off the ground. Mm. Uh, it was not easy. Our business plan was uh, a simple one. Get through the day. That was, that was the first objective. <laughs> and if we did, were successful in doing that, we changed to get through the next day. Mm. And that not-so-little company anymore, the CEO today is Bill McNabb. For uh, Rule Breaker Investing fans, you know that I got to spend a week with Bill because he was part of the JCOC um, military tour that I had earlier this summer. I had a, just a delightful week with Bill. What a charming and um, reputable man of integrity that you have running your company. I'm honored to have him as my successor. Mm. Jack, you just looked back at 2016, and you painted a few highlights. Let's look forward to 2017. What are you looking for? What are you thinking about doing yourself? Well, I'm going to continue to do what I do now, which is write, speak, um, try and meet with investors, um, contribute to the, the professional development of, of the um, financial business. Mm-hmm. Uh, my article in the Financial Analyst Journal last January, at the beginning of this year, was voted the most popular article in the journal for the year, mm. which, which it was on index mutual fund growth, change, and challenge. And uh, this is a very erudite publication, and I write pretty simple stuff, so I was very honored by that. And then I also had, in the, in the most recent edition of Journal of Portfolio Management, um, my 15th article, um, called um, David and Goliath, the battle between the arithmetic uh, strategy and the algorithmic strategy. Mm. 
David is the simple arithmetic strategy. Goliath is the complex and ultimately losing um, algorithmic strategy. Mm -hmm. Well, Jack, you know, one of the phrases that comes to mind for me, I know it was on Robert Frost's gravestone as his epitaph. It came from one of his poems, I Had a Lover's Quarrel with the World. I think that's an apt description of Jack Bogle when we're talking about the financial world. Um, for low these past five decades or so. Um, what's a, a lover's quarrel you have with the industry today? What's, what's something that each of us can be watching for and trying to help you reform? Well, first, uh, understand that settling for average or call it mediocrity in your investment returns, buying and holding the S&P 500 index or the total stock market index, uh, Vanguards are usually the cheapest in the bunch, and they're, they're therefore the best. Um, is not a recipe for for failure. It's a recipe for great success. Compounding over a long period of time. Uh, Albert Einstein called uh, compound interest the greatest miracle of mathematics ever. And uh, so we do the compounding of the market's return, uh, the miracle of compounding long-term returns, but we do not let it get overrun by the tyranny of compounding costs. And that's murder. Cost in this business mm. cuts you over an investment lifetime. Uh, it takes about two-thirds of the market's return away from you, believe it or not, David. So go the cheap way. Go the simple way. Uh, don't peak. Uh, just stick with it and trust uh, capitalism, American capitalism in particular, uh, to make up for even the highs and lows and the emotions of the market by creating an intrinsic value over a long period of time with dividend yields and earnings growth. It is all so simple, and it's great to see that investors now get it, and it's appreciated by investors. And believe me, Wall Street may not like me. As someone said, I had cost them a trillion dollars by taking all these costs out of the system, hmm. and that may be true. But, David, for their own money... Guess where it is? It's in the index fund. Mm. <laughs> they all confess to me. <laughs> oh, that's wonderful. And it's so true. Jack, I don't want to be too jealous, take too much more of your time, but I do have just a couple questions in closing. The first one is, what do you want to see from the White House? Do you expect to see anything new? Are you worried about 2017 through 2020? Well, let me put it very simply. Um, Donald Trump appears to be the new John Maynard Keynes. He's doing pump priming that would have astounded Keynes, indeed astounded Keynes, by uh, trying, expecting to borrow maybe a trillion dollars and invest it in infrastructure. It's a very shaky plan, and I don't think will ever be approved, but the, his plan brings much too much private enterprise into it. And, uh, but I think, I think the Congress will get a good infrastructure plan and will go out and borrow a lot of money and cut taxes and those things are all bullish for the stock market in the short run, my opinion. However, in the long run, uh, if you're going to increase, which seems to be part of his program, increase the racial divisions in our country, uh, that's bad for the economy in the long run, bad for our society, and bad for the stock market. Uh, increasing the gap between the wealthy and guys like you and me, David, and the people that haven't prepared us with such good fortune, the lower part of the income scale. Uh, increasing that gap is, is, again, bad for our economy, 
uh, bad for our society, bad for our economy, and bad for our stock market in the long run. And the same thing is true of trying to put barriers in the way of world trade. The same thing is equally true of trying to to um, ease off our, our, our support of Europe and NATO. That seems to be what he wants to do. And uh, that bulwark against communism that's over there is very important. Yes, again, David, to our society, to our economy, and uh, to our stock market. So the, the long-run picture is negative for lower returns, I think, but the short run is, is very bullish. Uh, how does the stock market reconcile that? You know the answer to that. The stock market likes the, the short run and doesn't, doesn't worry much about the long run. Mm. So we shall see. But I would still tell investors to stay the course. Appreciate that. It certainly has been a surprising um, uh, post-election run, and, it, and the largest since World War II, I guess, history shows. But um, what's a few weeks anyway? Jack, let me ask you, uh, you're from your book, Enough, which I loved, your 2000, I think it was 2009 book. Um, you had a section about midway through uh, that is of real consequence to us here at The Motley Fool. We love this phrase, and we try to practice it every day. And you basically say, in so many words, be guided above all by the golden rule. Would you give us a thought or two about the golden rule? Well, I doubt any of our listeners is, are, can't quote the golden rule, mm-hmm. but it's uh, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And uh, you could argue, I would argue, uh, that's the fundamental rule behind Vanguard's success. Uh, we, we would like low-cost funds. Uh, we would like to, to hang on to the total U.S. stock market or the S&P 500 for our lives. We would like to be treated as, as uh, good clients. Uh, we would like to earn trust. Uh, everything goes both ways. So living up to that golden rule and treating our shareholders as we would like to be treated ourselves uh, is, you know, obviously a great business formula. It's not there because it's a great business formula. It's there because it's a great human formula. But um, if you've got to fall back on some of the most basic principles of Judeo-Christian religion, uh, that's a very good place to start. Mm. And last question for you, Jack. I'm going to quote you here, and I just love, again, a thought or two from you about this. In your own words, quote, In life we too often allow the illusory to triumph over the real. We focus too much on success, a word you said I've never liked, and not enough on character, without which success is meaningless. End quote. Did I really say something that intelligent? I'm delighted. <laughs> and that's my credo. Is that right? Is that the Bogle I, I credo? Do, I do, yep. Well, I, I do my best to live up that credo. Mm. You know, I'm a flawed human being, and uh, I'm a long way from perfection. But I think we all, the best of us, uh, try and uh, have a, an arc that bends toward integrity, an arc that bends toward simplicity, an arc that bends toward service, uh, an arc that bends toward building a better society and a better United States of America. Mm. Jack Bogle, thank you so much for appearing on this edition of Rule Breaker Investing. It's a pleasure, and I hope to talk to you again in 2017. We'll keep our fingers crossed. (laughs) All right, and I was quite serious about having Bogle back on in 2017. Jack, I hope you're still listening, and I hope you'll join us next year. All right, now before we go on, 
If you're trying to find a new home, you definitely don't want to spend time searching through stacks of old files and paperwork before you can get a mortgage. Rocket Mortgage brings the mortgage approval process into the 21st century. It's fast, it's powerful, completely online. Rocket Mortgage lets you easily share your bank statements and pay stubs at the touch of a button, helping you get approved in minutes for a custom mortgage solution that's been tailored to your unique financial situation. It's a quick online process that you can manage right from your couch. So if you're looking to refinance your mortgage or buy a home, check out Rocket Mortgage today at quickenloans.com fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org, number 3030. Okay, it's now just about time to talk about why we invest and share that with you. I do want to mention, though, something that's very special to me. I hope you're interested, and that's Motley Fool Explorer, which is our newly available solution designed to help investors understand today's most exciting and relevant trends while providing in-depth and actionable monthly recommendations. Now, I'm mentioning this to you because Motley Fool Explorer is a brand new product, and it ends tomorrow. So, if you're interested in what I'm about to tell you very briefly about Motley Fool Explorer, we'd love for you to become a customer, to become a member of Motley Fool Explorer, and you have till this Thursday at midnight, and then it shuts down. Uh, so, unlike Stock Advisor and Rule Breakers, Explorer is built around what we call explorations, because it's Explorer. These are monthly tournament-style competitions in which our Explorer investors research and then vote on the stocks they believe offer investors the best opportunity today. I should mention, by the way, that Motley Fool Explorer includes both Rule Breakers and Stock Advisor as part of the membership. Anyway, one month, the team may focus on virtual reality, the next may be biotech or driverless cars, or even just a group of stocks that the market had recently punished. So, regardless of the topic, month in and month out, Explorer's goal is to show you where our world is going and how you can build some of that into your portfolio to reflect that future. Interested? I hope you are. It's tryexplorer.fool.com. That's tryexplorer.fool.com. All right. Now, why we invest. My favorite episode of my favorite miniseries, Band of Brothers, is entitled Why We Fight. Without wishing to spoil the story for those who haven't yet seen it, do such people exist? I won't give away the answer to the question, but the episode is a beautiful, sad, and gripping piece of Hollywood poetry, and the phrase Why We Fight has since stuck with me. And it's begun to morph into my own phrase, my brief reflection. This holiday season, why we invest. Let's peel every layer of the onion away at the start. At the root of the fruit is this simple reality. We work hard in this world to build up savings. That savings we call capital. Our capital represents the sum total of our life's efforts, expressed monetarily above and beyond what we've spent. When we invest, we're doing something very wonderful and very difficult. We are forfeiting the enjoyment of the use of this capital in the near term. All our instincts and temptations, many of our peers, perhaps even a spouse, urge us directly or subtly by association against this. Spend it now, reads or sings or shouts any one of thousands of messages confronting the typical adult every day. But investors take at least some of their capital and do the exact opposite. We forego the instant gratification. That on its own is admirable, but we go one further. We investors, we crazy investors, forfeit the enjoyable, immediate use of our capital for no certain reward. 
As stock market investors in particular, we invest willingly, knowing that our unspent and unenjoyed capital may actually at least partly disappear. If there's a better reason for us calling ourselves fools, I don't know that the world will ever find it. In particular, practicing my own unique style of rule breaker investing, a more aggressive investor seeking to maximize my returns, I flat out know that I will lose money on many occasions. Throw in the academic studies that say investing in individual stocks isn't worthwhile because you can't reliably beat the indices, and now you can see why do-it-yourself equity investing is a niche. It's a niche we've been helping to grow at The Motley Fool, but it's a niche. Here's why we invest. For our children and grandchildren. Because our parents and grandparents may have and made our lives so much the better. Because every dollar we invest helps support the companies and businesses we admire and buy from. Because we love and celebrate ownership and believe this world will be far stronger for more owners, not more renters. Because the academics are wrong. Because with Arthur O'Shaughnessy and his ode, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. And investing is our instrument in making dreams come true. Sorry, Disney is a very real Motley Fool end. I see it happen with amazing testimonials, bull market or no, every day on our discussion boards at fool.com. Oh, and have I forgotten? I should throw something in here about achieving financial independence too, so that you and yours can be self-determined not income-determined or government-determined, and a hundred other reasons besides. These are all, in part or in whole, why we invest. Keep at it, dear fool. And when I first penned that six years ago, I got a great response on our discussion boards from one of our community members who goes by the screen name Captain Haiku. Now, I know Captain Haiku. It's actually a pair of sisters who... Um, grew up in West Virginia and have contributed a lot to our community over the years. And Captain Haiku, as you might imagine, writes in haikus. And Captain Haiku wrote this in response, which is what I will close with this week. And see you on your way to next week. Here we go. Why do we invest? So that our hard work endures beyond our short years. So that our children start their journeys on a hill and see the mountain. We build battlements that endure, shelter others from the worst of storms. We launch sturdy ships. We will not see the far shore, but have no regrets. We are a small part of all we set in motion, and thus, we invest. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.